0: Let's talk about exes. We've all had one and we've all been one, so why do some leave such an indelible mark on our hearts while others move on, leaving little impact on our lives? Breakups can be painful and heart-wrenching, a complete surprise or a total relief. But there's always a story to be told as we often try to make sense of the grief... The way we parted and the reasons why.
1: In this episode, we hear the behind the scenes story of a relationship breakup that left accomplished journalist, Instagram queen, and former bachelorette Georgia Love feeling broken, abandoned, and like she would never love again. Georgia shares the moment when the man she thought was the one turned to her on an ordinary morning to say he was done, ended their three year
0: relationship, and walked out with no warning and no explanation. If you've ever had a breakup you can't shake or have carried old wounds into your subsequent relationships, then we know you'll relate to Georgia's raw and honest story of being rejected, struggling to trust, then learning to love again. Here's our chat with Georgia Love. Georgia, let's go back to June 23rd, 2015, when your heart broke you say that your one true love left you after a two and a half year relationship and you thought you would never recover. At the ripe old age of 26, you said, my love life was over.
2: What happened? Doesn't that sound dramatic when you say it like that in hindsight, especially? It does. <laughs> oh gosh, but it, well, that, that's exactly what it felt like at the time. I, I um, had been with my now ex obviously then current partner for coming on three years and I was absolutely one foot down the aisle I was home and hosed but there's no other man on earth and I've met my match um and and I'm done so happy I I couldn't imagine Feel sorry for anyone who's not as happy as me um and then it all changed literally in kind of the space of about an hour. Did you have any Inkling. No, literally no no kind of inkling at all. So we'd been together for nearly three years and I was living in Hobart at the time and he was living in Melbourne. So for the huge majority of that our time together, we were doing distance between Tassie and Melbourne, uh, which is hardly distance, but obviously it means you can't have the kind of normal um, relationship that you did. But made it work really, really well. So we both had jobs that we had Mondays and Tuesdays off. So every two weeks, one of us would fly to the other on a Sunday evening. We'd have kind of two and a half days together and then go back to our normal lives, which actually worked really well. Like despite all of this, I'm quite an advocate for kind of short distance relationships because we were able to have our own lives and then have that dedicated time together, which I actually really loved, especially at that time in our lives and we're kind of in our um, mid 20s. It was one weekend that he was down in Tassie with me. We'd had the whole weekend together; it'd been really lovely. We'd had a lot of time just one on one. We hung out with some friends. It was his birthday the next week, so we'd kind of had a bit of a birthday party. I'd given him all his birthday presents, and then it was the Tuesday morning. He was going to fly back to Melbourne. He his alarm went off, and we'd gone to bed on the Monday night. Lovely, everything great and fine. The alarm went off on Tuesday morning and he kind of didn't react to it. And I said, Oh, you know, wait, babe, what's up? And he kind of slowly turned around to me and he had a tear rolling down his cheek. And I've gone, Oh God, what, what's happened? What, what's going on? What's going on? And he goes, No, no, nothing's happened. I just can't do this anymore. And I just, I, went, I don't understand what you mean. It was. And he said, this, 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 I can't do this anymore. So immediately my mind goes to, okay, it's the distance thing. You can't do that. This was inevitable. I knew it was going to happen at some point. I'm from Melbourne, so it's kind of like, right. At some point I knew I was going to move back. That's it. Okay. Nope, I get it. Let's kind of work together for me to move back to Melbourne. And he said, no, I don't, I don't want you to. That's not what I mean. I don't want to be with you anymore. And he just had this blank look on his face and he had the kind of tear rolling down his cheek but everything else was just blank and there was no emotion or no particular look in his face and I just I, I just didn't understand so I kept asking and then he just kept saying no I'm, no I'm done and then he got up got out of bed and started packing up his stuff including the birthday presents I'd just given him just as a quick aside <laughs> like seriously anyway, um, packing up his stuff all all around me and I'm in bed kind of starting to cry, realising what's happening and just asking him what's happened, what's happened, what's happened. And all he was saying was nothing's happened, I just don't want to do this. I can't remember even what I was saying to him, but I was just kind of like crying and eventually like screaming and yelling and and begging him to kind of give me any kind of answer and he just literally just packed up his stuff around me and left the house. He just kept saying, I've, I've got to go. I've got work tonight. I've got to go home. I've got to go. He walked out of the house, and I was living with my best friend at the time, and she was walking in as he was walking out and kind of saw that he looked a bit white and said, oh, God, what's happened? And he said, I think you better go check on George. She, she needs you. And she says she just came to the house and heard this wailing. But, yeah, he, he got on the plane, went back to Melbourne, went to work that night. And he wouldn't, you know, answer his phone or anything like that. So I thought he's had a brain fart. There's something's happened, and he's just he's had this freak out. And I need to kind of talk him around. So I immediately booked myself a flight to go to Melbourne the next day. Um, I told him I was doing that, and so the next day I, I walked up at his door, and he was gone. There was there was nothing in his face. I could tell from the moment I opened the door. He wasn't, I wasn't there to talk him around. He was done. With even a look of like, oh God, here we go. I'm going to have to put up with this. I was asking him over and over again, like, what's happened? What's happened? And he just was saying, I just don't want to do it. I just don't feel the same. Now, it's been five years now with the 2020 vision of hindsight. I still say to this day, there were no. Signs. He showed me absolutely no signs whatsoever that he'd fallen out of love or anything. And he just switched off one day. And that, that day, so the next, the next day, yeah, he kind of gave me nothing. And then he eventually ends up saying to me, I'm not attracted to you anymore, um, which was really hurtful. And I think that was probably the moment where I then thought, well, I'm not going to keep fighting for this because what am I meant to do if he's not even attracted to me? What am I meant to do here? Um, so I called my mum. She came and picked me up, and I've I've never seen him <laughs> literally never. It's a really painful
0: story to listen to and I always observe that when couples break up I describe them like tram tracks and how one person is further along on one of those tracks than the other person and that's what you're describing and what we see most commonly is that often one party doesn't express that to the other person but they have been on some journey even though you're saying this man didn't share that with you didn't show it in any of his um, emotions or facial expression he was still doing the fly in fly out to Tassie and Melbourne. But I wonder if, and maybe we'll never know because you haven't had a conversation with him and you're still saying there's no, nothing in hindsight to give any indication. But typically people, one person has checked out before another. There's not this point of arrival where two people agree this is the time we both should, should and so leave is it the like so one person's left before they've left? Yes, and that's what George is describing here is that when she got to his door and she was ready to fight and she saw he was gone... There was there was nothing left for him, and I'm and I'm just guessing and surmising, and perhaps for others listening too, that that decision happened long before that fateful Tuesday morning in 2015.
2: It must have, and I think that's the thing that still all these years later really blows my mind: is how somebody can come to that conclusion um, so with such surety, without ever having expressed anything. Now I've spoken to so many of his friends, his family, and you know, the, the weeks and months after that trying to understand something, trying to get some closure. And every single one of them said to me, We had no idea. We thought he was going to propose. We thought he was buying a ring. We thought you guys were the best couple ever. He seemed so happy. Not one person was ever able to say, you know, he he started thinking this way. it, it was just it was so bizarre to me. And it's it does still really affect me because I feel like I've still got no closure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was five years ago. I mean, I am incredibly happy with somebody else, but I do feel still feel this pang of pain when I think about him because there wasn't that closure. I don't know what I did wrong, if I did anything wrong, or what I could do to ever kind of stop that from happening again in the future and that's probably damaged me a bit as well for for future relationships is um i felt so secure with him i felt so in love and loved, and and he as i said from my point of view switched off one day and it probably does scare me a bit that well what if you know what if my current partner lee does that what if he wakes up one morning and he's gone um and it it is it is pretty damaging i Mm. still feel like um, I, I live back in Melbourne now and as far as I know my ex still lives here too. I get the kind of pang of, oh God, dread feeling in my throat if I think that I've walked past him in the supermarket or going for a walk and I, I still don't know what I would do if I ran into him on the street because there's this still really yucky kind of unanswered, unfinished, well, yeah, lack, lack of closure. I just never got any answers.
1: Mm. With that, Georgia, and it, it must be a such a complex and uncomfortable feeling that that you haven't had this chance to get the closure you need to heal yourself what in order you've said in the past that you've pushed the pain and rejection and hurt and grief kind of down but obviously it's still there and very raw and accessible for you what sort of things have you done to try and heal yourself to at least get that closure on your
2: side oh gosh I don't even really know (laughs) I don't know if I have done enough or, or what I have done, I, I was just miserable for about six months. I didn't want to leave the house. I just, I, I really truly thought, well, that's me done. I met my one and he didn't want to be with me. So what's the point going and meeting anyone else? I'm never, ever going to love anyone like I loved him. What's the point of even trying to meet someone else? I, I just, I thought at 26, I was done in in my love life. It just, unfortunately, this hasn't worked out for me. Um, My poor bloody best friend who I lived with tried over and over and over again to try to make me smile or make me feel better, but just nothing would. And, you know, eventually I got to the point where I, I kind of had to leave the house. I had to go on with normal life, but I didn't have any inclination of wanting to date anyone or sort of kissing somebody else just made me feel physically sick but probably about six or nine months I say kind of time healed a bit but I think another thing was he started dating someone else only about four months after we split up and I think that I probably needed that, that finalisation that that it wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to come back to me because I just always thought or hoped that he would, um, he sent me a text message to tell me that he was dating somebody I knew, uh, which he thought was doing the right thing. But I just went a bit psycho about that. And we've literally never, never, ever, ever had any any kind of conversation since.
0: I, and I think I probably needed that. What has stopped you having that conversation with him in, in some format?
2: Uh, that's a really good question. I think a lot of it is stubbornness. The response I gave him when he said that he was with not just someone else, but you know, a girl that I knew, and my response was cursed, to say the least. And I think that there is an element of stubbornness of me kind of going, well, no, that needs to be the last thing I've said to him. I'm not going to give him any time. I'm not going to make him feel like what he did was okay by contacting him or by saying anything to him. And then, probably enough time has gone on that it's it's so different to anyone else I've been with before. Every other ex I could and will realistically do kind of speak to from time to time, or even think, you know, if I pass them in the street, I'd stop and say hello and have a chat about life. But it's just, it's not like that with him. The one thing he has done that has really hurt me since then since getting the, the new girlfriend, is that um, my mum passed away, oh gosh, coming on four years now, four years ago. I didn't even hear from him mm. about that. And that's something that really, that was that was kind of a final nail in the coffin, I suppose, then. That, that just made me feel like, oh, actually, maybe you're not a very mm. good person. Um, yeah, he was part of our lives for three years, had Christmas dinners with us and all of that. And, and to not even say... I'm, I'm sorry about your mum, that was pretty that, that's mm. pretty ick to me and I think that that's probably less that feeling in my mouth, that taste in my mouth rather than going, oh, well, you and X and those things happen. That's kind of a bit of a, no, I don't, I don't know if that's that forgivable to me. I guess it depends what
0: closure would mean to you mm. and how lack of closure is impacting your life now.
2: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how I would feel if I did hear from him, probably would, because it would give me a bit of that. As I say, it still affects me now. You know, I probably react more so if, you know, if a Wenley and I have a fight, I probably react more because I get this panic, like, oh, God, are you going to leave? Um, and I do have – it's probably left me with a bit of abandonment and I think that's only been heightened by my mum's hmm. passing as well. She – Um, was sick with cancer, but she she died very quickly. So she she died within six months of being diagnosed, but she didn't ever really um, share how sick she was until really, really, really close to the end. That was kind of a um, protective mother's decision. Um, But so I felt probably quite abandoned by her and and by that situation too. Mm. Um, So I think, yeah, I, I think I probably do have, abandonment issues. It, it, it sounds so dramatic to say about, you know, a relationship in your 20s, but I, I really do think it damaged me quite a bit in that way and then mum's death just kind of compounded that.
0: Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense that you haven't had control over these two ex- very significant relationships in your life, that they seem to have chosen your mother didn't choose to die but she chose when to let you know the severity of her diagnosis and your ex (laughs) didn't choose to tell you anything so it makes sense that there's an accumulative impact that you're describing so i just invite you not to minimize that and it's so easy when we go to a place of pain and we feel vulnerable that we sort of sugarcoat and say oh i'm just a drama queen but really what you're describing is is um is powerful loss and i know that there will be you know um there's there's some there's a lot you can do around I think your mother's death and the grief there. Um, I'm gleaning that there was a strong uh, connection and foundation there with your mum, but with your ex, you are in you you still have. And I'm speaking also for our listeners and for your listeners of your podcast. Mm. Everyone mm. has an ex that you still have a lot of agency over that the impact of that separation on you. Um, even though he chose to walk that day and, and never explain. And, and I think that'd be worth exploring. I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm almost going to have to pull back my side, you know, my therapist self. gone yeah, we've, we've gone we've deep. <laughs> um, but, but actually... Oh, no, we,
1: give me more. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. We can all drink from that cup. I think it's good. It's good stuff she delivers. Um, one of the things, so is, can I just clarify, Sabina? So are you sort of saying um, take agency and then you can then take control of that story you're telling yourself about? That event, So you're almost empowering yourself with reframing that set of events.
0: But not in a sugar-coated, not in a turn that frown upside down, sort of when I look in the mirror, <laughs> stick some yellow stickies with affirmations on them kind of way. More around um, actually that when, when I asked what was the barrier to you um, finding out what his thinking was or getting some, some clarification, that is in your control and... I don't see that as um, begging him back or any sign of weakness. In fact, it's a way of saying five years has passed and I'm engaged and I'm madly in love and I want to make sense of what transpired there. And if he's not able to share that, that's on him. And so then the sh- the, the burden of um, discomfort, the burden of lack of control shifts.
2: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> It just actually reminded me because I was just thinking like, oh, God, what if you did reach out? How would I feel? You have actually just reminded me that the, the girl that he then started dating afterwards, they've since broken up too. And uh, I mentioned that I knew her. I knew her quite well. And she reached out to me after they broke up and she messaged me and said, I know this might you might not want this message to come through, but I felt like I needed to reach out to you he did the same thing to me, wow. and mm. I just so you know, I know how you feel, and wow. I'm sorry if I. If I compounded any of, of that pain for you at all. Did that ease? Well at the time it didn't at the time I was like how did you message me? I just didn't write back at all but I'm kind of you know showing all my friends going can you believe she messaged me? Mm. But it was validating
0: in some way even though at the time you were pissed off it sounds like it was validating that was. this is not story is not unique to Georgia Love. Yeah uh, he's exactly. pat, and he's then- got a pattern a
1: fixed pattern of of breaking relationships in that way which is really if he's listening hey g'day um if if he's (laughs) out there listening that's that's interesting in and of itself what what is going Mm. on there where someone cannot you know emotionally move through that that closure in a way that's shared but i will say if he is listening
0: because i work with so many couples he's not the bad guy (laughs) there's no bad person in a story i really believe this this is an important conversation to have that um, he's not all bad and you're not all good. He, he, you know, we don't know why, but he didn't want the relationship for various reasons and he didn't have the tools in his kit to be able to discuss that in an open and mature, respectful way. And so he sort of took the um, very primal choice of fight or flight and he literally flew on a plane from Hobart <laughs> to Melbourne. Mm. And yeah. um, the fact that what what you're sharing now is that he's repeated that pattern is just I think it's a story of not being able to share or being fearful of conflict, not wanting to hurt. There's probably some good intent in that and yet it lands terribly and it's left a a semi-permanent you know, staying for you and I don't want that for you and I don't think you need to carry mm. that forward. I think it's his it's his story, not because he's a bad guy. I don't think anyone's a bad guy but because he didn't know how and I still think there's opportunity there for you to make sense of that and let that belong to him as you move forward mm. and, and on a deeper mm. level and I won't go there now but also with your mm. mother, you um, the accumulative effect that you're describing is, it, it, as I said, it makes sense. I fully validate that and um, I think that's probably worth exploring at some point as well. But yeah, I just feel,
2: I feel like it's so silly to be talking about abandonment issues from my past relationship when, you know, my, uh, comparing that to my mum dying because obviously they're on such different spectrums. But I do feel like that's... it it has kind of compounded that abandonment feeling. Mm. Um, And, yeah, it's probably maybe it has kept me being angry at my ex as Mm. well and about that. Mm. Um,
0: What's the impact of your ongoing resentment and anger towards him? What's the impact on you? Because it's diddly squat on him.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: you're right. Also, just reflecting on what you're saying, Georgia, um, that these two – huge events, this this abrupt loss but very different loss uh, with death and breakup, Um, they've become conflated in the one thing and maybe there's something to do around separating those two things so that they don't become this messy ball of, uh, you know, of emotion around this quite separate paths of grief that sit in those two things.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that makes sense too. I probably am letting them compound more than I need to, Sabina, to answer your question, I don't. I don't really know. I really don't think about him often. But like I said, the thought of running into him in the street actually gives me kind of heart palpitations. It really, and I, and I can't tell you why. I don't really know why. I truly don't know what I would do if I ran into him, and I dread that. What's the worst case
0: scenario if you did? What's the?
2: Let's let's go there. Well, I don't know. Probably just that I'd feel a bit awkward and not know what to say. Like it's really not. It wouldn't. It wouldn't matter, would it?
0: Well, then I would say it's one of my, my favorite techniques. I just call it the drill down. <laughs> then I would say, and then what? So you feel yeah. a bit awkward, and it's not. It's not fun.
2: And then what? Yeah. Then I just hope that I've not just come straight out of the gym, and I've, I don't know. Maybe left some beautiful event where I've got my hair and makeup done. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: because. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because do a part of you wants him to say,
2: I made a mistake.
0: You're actually attractive.
2: You, you're hot. Oh. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's come from him saying he's not attractive to me. Mm. Maybe that's something deep in there too, kind of going, no, no, I am attractive and you made a mistake. I don't want him back, obviously, no. but I just, I don't know, maybe there's something in me that wants him to think Oh, I was an idiot, wasn't I? Mm.
0: How did, have you um, introduced this this wound of yours into your current relationship with Lee?
2: I don't remember when I ever first brought it up, but this guy that I'm talking about was my last relationship before Lee. So I think, kind of naturally, it comes up. Kind of early days in a relationship, you know what? What's your last relationship like? Why did Why did you break up? Um, I'm very open with him about it. I talk about it. Um, you know, if if it comes up in conversation with him or around him with anyone else, I'm quite open about it. I was going to say I probably haven't spoken to him about the kind of abandonment feelings, but I think that's not true. I think when we've had arguments and I've kind of freaked out about like, oh, don't leave. I think I've probably said to him, you know, "You, you need to understand that No, I I was just walked out on one day, and it wasn't even in the argument. So, if we're kind of arguing, and you're saying I'm done with this, I'm I'm going to freak out a bit more than maybe somebody else would, and I I think that's the effect it's had on on this relationship is that being scared of him leaving, but probably more so the unexpected Mm -hmm. because that's what it happened. That's how it happened with the with the other guy, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's probably these are something. Bit of a dull thing in the back of my head, and probably the story's got some walls up a little bit. Mm, um, yeah. I'm going to go woo woo just for a second, though. I actually saw a, um, a, a psychic oh, maybe a year or two ago, and she said, I was wanting to talk about my mum, but, but um, Lee came up in this and she said, you hold yourself back from Leanne's like, no, I don't. I'm super lovey and open and everything. She's like, no, no, but you don't realise that you do. Mm. And and he's there. Like he, he, he wants to bring you in and you're kind of not letting him. Mm. And I've, I've always wondered if that's why. I'm almost guarding myself a little bit. Protecting mm. um, yourself. there is a shock again. Did it yeah, resonate what, did. what she said? Yeah. It
0: rang true obviously for you.
2: Yeah, it yeah. did because I think, um, I think since, since my ex, I probably have been a bit more like, okay, I can't put all my eggs in one basket again because it really nearly broke me. And I've always thought of myself as a very independent and very strong person. And I think that that's almost what part of the damage came from is that I shocked myself how much this affected me and my whole, I I felt broken. I felt like not a full person because he walked out. And And I think I told myself, I'm not going to let myself Mm. feel that again. I I can have a partner and I can feel love, but I shouldn't put all my eggs in that basket because I couldn't go through that again. Mm. And I remember just saying that when my poor girlfriend was trying to, you know, get me to go on a date with someone or something. I said, "I, I don't want to. I can't. Sorry, not I don't want to, I just kept saying, I can't go through that again. You're
0: saying it's not safe. I can't do that again. It's not safe. Mm -hmm. And yet, 10 months
1: after your breakup, you're invited to be on season two of the reality dating show, The Bachelorette. What made you say yes?
2: Oh, gosh, a whole host of reasons. The main one was actually, that was just after my mum had been diagnosed. So when I was first approached about the show, it was kind of like, oh, God, this will never happen, but won't it be a funny story to tell about how I went through the application process to be the bachelorette? And as the application process went on, it kind of started looking a bit more like it might actually happen. And then in that time is when Mum got diagnosed. And there was this, it sounds so cliche, and I hate how stereotypical this is, but it did change the goalposts. It changed the way I looked at everything. I was still living in Hobart, which was away from my family. I'd moved down there for work, and I had this all of a sudden. You know, what's more important in life? If, if you know, so Mum's got sick. If Mum dies, but what also me? What if I walk out in front of a bus? What have I got to show for my life? I've got a great career, but I don't have love. I don't have a relationship. I live away from my family. The worst were to happen with Mum. I'm down here across the Bass Strait. What can I do from here? So it just um, changed my kind of perception of what I wanted for the next few years of my life. And I'm a bit of a yes person as well. In terms, you know, this opportunity literally fell in my lap. I didn't go looking for it. How, how,
1: does, how does it work? Like does someone sort of scout and find you? How did it happen?
2: Yeah, yeah. So they kind of have their, they, their scouts that go out and they were, kind of went to their network and said the kind of person they were looking for. And from what I've heard that year, they were looking for someone who was, you know, kind of very community oriented, maybe did some charity work, was very kind of involved in their community and family and and that type of person. And still to this day, all I know is that a nurse in Hobart responded and said, I think our newsreader sounds like she kind of fits that bill. Mm -hmm. Um, And this nurse had seen me speaking at at an event which I always laugh, like I was obviously that, I was that famously single, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) God, she might be good, but yeah, I've I've said it so many times, I would would love to know who that was and thank her, but yeah, someone put my name forward and they literally just called me, the casting directors called me and said, would you be interested, and and the process kind of went from, like it wasn't home and were they were probably looking at a whole bunch of other girls at the same time, but. In the end, for some for some reason, they picked me. And and what was your experience like on the show? Oh, gosh, I loved it. I loved the whole thing. It's so funny. There's so many people say so many negative things about all kinds of reality TV. But, you know, you know it's easy for me to say now with a, a beautiful man in the next room and a, a beautiful ring on my finger planning our wedding that it was all positive and all rosy. But, but it really <laughs> was at the time. It was emotional. It was highly emotional. And it was really hard. But it was just a heap of fun as well. You know, for three and a half months, the only thing I had to think about was which one of these guys I liked better than the others.
1: What's it like, Georgia, I've always wondered, what's it like having relations, like, you have to, you know, get intimate with how many, like 12 Mm. guys concurrently and that's just is confounding to me thinking about how the hell you navigate that emotional spaghetti of that um <laughs> and they how do they manage their own jealousy that sits around the currency that is you like what's it that like it's a cluster
2: it is you should probably get leon for the next episode to ask <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> yeah it is it's, it's and that's what's the trick that is what's hard about it i feel so silly saying it was hard because people are like, oh it must have been you went on and boats and got to kiss beautiful men. It must have been so hard for you. <laughs> but, you know, it was. It was emotionally very, very hard. So I had 18 guys on my season, but I only went on, like, you know, proper proper dates, single dates with six of them um, because just how the way the show, the, the way the show works, you got on kind of group dates and smaller bits. But there were only six guys that I went on kind of a full, proper, you know, kind of got intimate with. And um, I don't know if you can.
1: I don't, I don't <laughs> know if you 33% can. Strike yes, but that's pretty good. So there's six. <laughs> now you might. I know there's some like you know smoke and mirrors and magic because reality. Let's face it, reality TV is not real a lot of time. Mm, okay. um, so in the process of you like deciding, all right, who, who am I going to keep and who am I going to kick out of the off the island or whatever you do? Um, mm, yeah. ha, do you? have to keep a certain number of them live kind of thing on the show for a while if you're like, yeah, now, I reckon that's a no, that one? I mean, yeah, you don't
2: don't have to, but you do. So look at it the way that if you've got 18 guys and you, over um, 12 weeks, you have to get rid of one of them a week. Realistically, as humans, it's highly unlikely that one person will be attracted to all 18 of them. (laughs) So straight up from night one, your human reaction is to be drawn to a certain few who you might be more interested in. Mm -hmm. And there's others that you're just not. For whatever reason, straight up, you're just not interested in them. And then as time goes on, as you get to know people more and more, you become more interested in a smaller number. Mm -hmm. So realistically, there's probably only ever going to be, say, I don't know, Three to seven ish that you're genuinely interested in, and you genuinely want to explore what a relationship with them might look like.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, Georgia, on that, like mm. you said earlier, that you were talking about the concept of the one. You know that you'd met your mm. one, and that was the only one with your mm-hmm. with your ex. And yet, what mm. you're describing on the show is, you know, there's quite, a, you know, there's obviously quite a few people because of the construct of the show. Do you believe yeah. in there just being a one?
2: No, I don't. I think I used to, but I think the fact that I now have fallen very much in love with somebody who is incredibly different to my ex. The love is different, but I, I, I don't now look and go, oh gosh, no, he wasn't the one. Mm. Lee's the one. Mm-hmm. I, loved, I loved him and now I love Lee so in very different ways, but I don't think so much that Lee is the one that everything in the world was leading me up to, to finding him at that exact time we love each other very much and they're deciding to share a life together because we don't want to share it with someone else. Yeah. Do I believe that, you know, the vast majority of people in the world find the one who happens to be living in the same suburb as them or who was at the bar at the same night? I just think with billions of people in the world, that's a bit unrealistic. Yeah, I'm with I you. think that, um, yeah, I, I just think that that probably is. But, but that said, straight after the, the breakup or not even after the breakup, when I was with my ex, I definitely thought, he was the one. I, I did think that. But now I look at it as being the one for me. Lee is the one for me. He's the one I'm choosing to spend my life with. He's the one I want to spend my life with. So um, I don't think, you know, God or some deity or whatever it might be placed him in my path because he was the only only one I was ever or could ever have been with.
0: And it sounds like you've made quite a lot of progress in thinking about relationships and, and as you say, you're engaged now. But you're also hosting your own podcast, Everyone Has Mm -hmm. an Ex, which I've had the delight of being on your bonus episode at the end of Season 1. Tell us a bit about the show and particularly I'm interested in what the catalyst was for creating Everyone Has an Ex.
2: Yeah, it's funny. People think, I think because my surname's Love, I'm known for being on the bachelorette I'm engaged people think it's all all roses and and love hearts for me but then here I am talking about heartbreak but I find that more fascinating and I think it's because of the almost taboo of it the podcast everyone has an ex it's just a collection of of unique stories about past relationships so sometimes that's about the breakup sometimes that's about the person who is the, the storyteller's ex the whole idea behind it is that everybody has a story about their ex, even if that story is we dated for three years and then we broke up. There's there's a story in that or there's a story about who the person is. And I think that people don't talk about their exes because you're kind of told as a society we should just move on and that's in the past, is in the past, and let's focus on what's happening now. But I'm always really, really interested to hear what shapes people and what brings people to where they are and... and what their past experiences have been. So I've always been very interested in it. And my producer and the the co-founder of the podcast, Linda, she was telling me, she's a a good friend of mine, and she was telling this story one day about her ex, her very first boyfriend, who is now in jail for attempted murder. And I was just so enthralled by this story. I said, you've got to do something with this story. People need to hear this story. And from there, this idea snowballed about isn't it fascinating hearing about people's exes? And it was 2019, and we we're two women in our 30s, so of course we created a podcast.
0: Of course. And we're two women in our 40s, and we did the same.
2: The world, the world <laughs> needs like, more, more podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Especially now. You know,
0: I think <laughs> the story of exes is so powerful in who we are, and we do ourselves a disservice to um, sort of say that was yesteryear and that's not relevant anymore. and Something's coming up for me, Mads, as I'm listening to Georgia speak. That one of our guests on an upcoming episode of Human Cogs who was uh, exp- who was dealing with a, a cancer diagnosis, and when she was really looking down the barrel. She actually went seeking uh, her ex relationships, didn't she? She mm-hmm. told us she, the Yeah, story. she wanted
1: closure, and she felt she wanted to, to, to connect to and closure
0: yeah. and understanding of. And she's she's married with kids now. I think there's so much power in what our exes represent to us. One of the reasons I think that is is because we think about the person we were mm-hmm. at the time than that we were with them. Mm-hmm. So it might not be. We might misunderstand that that it's something about who they specifically were, and that they're the one that got away, or there was something magical about them. But often it's the person we were when we were with them that we're trying to find, or make sense of, or we want more of that person back, or we loved a part of that person that we've lost. And so it's very much if we can think about our ex relationships, not just about who they are or were, but who we were when we were with mm. them. I think that's where a lot of the power of the ex story comes from. And Yeah. And also Ooh. maybe it's partly
1: not wanting to let them go because in doing so we let some part of ourself go, yeah. and that that is like shedding that skin of self. And confession, I'm happily married, but I have um, You're still a, madly a, in love uh, with your ex. Madly in love. <laughs> no, but I have, but I have boxes, um, you know, in the garage of all the love letters that I that I wrote mm. you know, an ex and I, you know, we were together for like three and a half years. And you know, I've got some objects that I've kept that are gifts from exes, and there's something very powerful and inexplicable and revered about those things and uh, yeah they've got a a big emotional kind of power about them.
2: I've got that as well but what's interesting is I don't have that from the ex that we've been talking about. Mm. It was so painful to me at the time I threw out everything and I'm such a nostalgic person. Oh gosh I'm so nostalgic. So I've got you know teddy bears and love letters and stuff from high school boyfriends. Um, I've got literally six folders full of from The Bachelorette and, you know, diaries that I wrote during it about what I felt about the guy through that. I'm so nostalgic like that. But this one ex, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to possibly open the cupboard one day and, and stumble across a photo or a love letter. So I, I just got purged at all, which is mm. so unlike me.
0: And maybe there's a call to action there or a gentle invitation that you could start to peek into that history, into that story in a way that it doesn't become so loud and so overwhelming and so intolerable.
2: Yeah, yeah, I really need to. It's funny because like, I'm so over it. I'm, I'm over him. But I'm I'm almost as I'm talking out loud, I don't know if I'm actually
0: over it. Uh Aha, over the Um, pain, over the rejection, over his choosing on his terms and not sharing. All of that is still very loud. That doesn't mean for Lee, who's probably listening as we speak, that's no reflection on your love or your choice now. It's about letting that wound heal. And I think you have more. Capacity to do that than you think you do, and it doesn't depend on you running into him in the supermarket in your ball gown or in your gym clothes.
2: <laughs> I'm going to start going to the supermarket <laughs> in my ball gown now, just in case. I've put it out in the universe now, it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> Why not? Oh, Georgia, thank you for sharing your story. It's really brave, and I know that on Everyone Has an ex. you you're asking others to tell their stories so it probably only seems fitting that you share something of your own vulnerability and your own pain and to acknowledge that a part of it's still with you and uh, I think that gives others the permission to do the same. We always like to finish our podcast by asking our guests the same question and that's amongst all the pain and the messiness that we've been discussing today that life brings for all of us in some way or other, who do you think is doing human well out there in the big wide world?
2: such a great question. Ooh, who's doing human well? You know, the, the first person that just sprung to my mind really clearly is Zoe foster Black, mm. And I, I don't even, she's she just really just sprung to my mind. I think she's such a boss woman. She's got such a, a beautiful, loving family, but she's very much her own person. She's um, just killing it in business. And from all I can see appears to be, killing it in her personal life as well um that's funny i probably if you'd given me half an hour to think about it and write people down i wonder who i would have come up with but she just her face just popped into my mind
1: thanks so much for joining us for this episode of human cogs We know that being human is pretty messy for the best of us and we really hope these conversations challenge what you think you know about yourself and maybe some others in your orbit.
0: And you know, Mads, as a psychologist, I know I'm having a good day at work when people say to me, Sabina, I've never thought about it that way before. That's what we hope your experience will be listening to Human Cogs. So if you want to find out more about other episodes or about this episode, jump on our website at humancogs.com.